In today's episode, Gary speaks about his journey that led him to working for Kiwi Harvest. He also shares some of the shocking statistics that show the need and the impact of the work they're doing. And I just think it's great for someone to be giving back to the community in the way Gary is. Check it out. They're supporting over 750 families in the area wow. uh, with the food uh, parcels. Queenstown people that are struggling in terms of putting food on the table. 103,000 tonnes of food goes to landfill every year. The majority of that is edible, 60%. Rescued 10,000 eggs from a local producer there a few weeks ago. Like, science is the only thing, you know, it's all it is is humans testing things uh, independently and finding the same results. Yeah. And enough of them to do it and they find the same results, that's the best we can go off. When I applied for life insurance and they rejected me, <laughs> I kind of knew, knew something was up. Yeah. So we got Gary here today. Gary is from uh, the west coast of Ireland and has been in Queenstown for well over a decade. Gary, can you share with us why you came here and why you've stayed here? Uh, yeah, I travelled to uh, Queenstown in my early 20s and even then it kind of left the mark. I was just like, uh, this is a pretty special place. But yeah, yeah, I went on and spent the rest of my 20s travelling around the place, having a good time. And uh, yeah, and then I ended up in Edinburgh. I uh, did my master's in tourism, um, might as well get qualified what I spent the last decade doing. And uh, yeah, and then I was starting a little business there, but timing wise, it was, uh, yeah, it was the start of the recession, uh, bad time to start a business. Yeah. And you don't need to tell me. Yeah. <laughs> and I also just, uh, yeah, it was the end of my 20s and I just ended a long term relationship. And I kind of just got the feeling it was kind of now or never if I was going to make a big change. Yeah. And yeah. Queenstown was that change and got awesome. just about for a ticket, <laughs> arrived <laughs> and started looking for a job day one. And yeah, loved it. Kind of knew it was right from the dot, day dot and lucky enough to be here since. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Like you said, you studied marketing and tourism and that came useful to you in Queenstown as being such a hub for tourism yeah I kind of I knew obviously from studying tourism uh, Queenstown was the kind of adventure capital and that was kind of my uh, interest as I traveled always jumping off stuff and yeah so I knew it was it had that reputation and it was just naturally beautiful and I was just drawn to the nature of the place as well yeah um, and yeah I was very lucky to kind of uh, very early doors get my foot in the door in tourism and uh, yeah, I had a great 10 years uh, in the industry as Queenstown grew and um, yeah, lots of great, great experience, met so many great people. So not very, very lucky. End of that 10 year period, um, the pandemic reared its ugly head. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it was shocked. It really shook things up here in Queenstown um, as being a tourist town that was heavily reliant on overseas tourists and uh, how did that affect you in, in, in your job? And To be honest, I see it as kind of a blessing. I had done 10 years with the one company and uh, I was ready to change. I knew I needed to change. Um, and yeah, the pandemic come along kind of was a step full stop, really. Um, and the lockdowns were kind of that opportunity to kind of think. Uh, yeah. I, the, the main issue I had was I didn't know mm. uh, what my next steps were. And um, just, yeah. COVID was that kind of full stop. But yeah, it had obviously a dev devastating effect on the industry. Thankfully, kind of we're seeing it coming back. Um, yeah, it's just great to kind of hopefully Queenstown diversifies a bit so it's not as reliant on tourism, kind of learn a few lessons. But it's still uh, an amazing product in tourism that Queenstown can offer that kind of aren't available anywhere else in the world. So it'll always be a draw. Yeah. As things come back to normal, that draw is um, pulling people back to Queenstown again. Uh, around this time, you were considering starting a family and, and also, as we all were, you were learning about um, the problems in the world with climate change, the difficulties globally that we face in the future. And also maybe you were learning about the challenges of raising a family in, in a, such an affluent area like Queenstown. 
Can you share with us some of the truths and some of the difficult things you were discovering? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a challenging time, a lot of dark, dark spots, uh, mainly because uh, it was, yeah, I thought I had what you were meant to have, uh, lived in a great place, had a career, had the job, had the salary, had a great partner in Anna. Yeah. Um, we were about to start family, but I just knew something was wrong. I wasn't really following my own instincts, but yeah. I wasn't really sure what they were. So uh, yeah. it took a long time to kind of nail down what actually I wanted to do. And yeah, the next couple of years were kind of spent uh, kind of, and I'm still kind of uh, figuring that out. But um, yeah, there's a lot of dark times because there is, you put such, uh, I think there's in society today, there's so many external pressures. You don't have a lot of time to think yourself about what you want and what makes you happy. And uh, on paper, I had the perfect uh, life and you should be happy. But uh, yeah, you kind of have to really just take the time, kind of look inside and and true and and try things like uh, yeah. that, that was the key thing. Uh, yeah, I suppose just, that's the silver lining of the pandemic was yeah. it gave you a lot of time to reflect and think about yeah. what's really important for you and what you're doing with yourself. And, and this is just me projecting what I think about you. Ultimately, you wanted to give back. And you wanted to contribute something. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I've kind of, I was just thinking about it there the other day. And it's kind of uh, a good book was just trying to, instead of trying to set up some goals for your life, it's trying to set up some principles for your life. Yeah, right. And three principles I'm kind of just kind of nailing at this kind of last couple of years is trying to uh, help with that. It's just be, be kind, be creative and be a positive impact. And nice. if whatever going forward in any aspect of my life, personal work, if they're in that field, I know it will kind of work for me. Right. Yeah. It's um, good principles to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and But again, if you asked me that two years ago, I wouldn't have a, yeah. wouldn't have a clue. It's, we're all on a journey and we're all learning as we go, aren't we? Um, good principles to live your life by. I do have an interest in political and climate and economical things yeah how are you how are you coming to terms with how how, how all that was played out you you're starting to discover there's problems with the planet and basically how the humans are sort of destroying the planet um for me personally i was starting it was true media really i was starting to see documentaries people like david attenborough and seeing the impact we were having on the planet and seeing a need to make some change and those things for me were very daunting um and i suppose at one stage you feel kind of hopeless and and then you come ultimately you come to uh, to reconcile it you you realize all you can do is make some small changes and and I, and I guess that was that was part of your journey you decided you needed to do something you didn't really yet know what but you knew you had to make some kind of changes in your life yeah, I was, you just, I think we were a very lucky generation that we grew up and kind of everything looked like it was going to be all rosy and everyone was getting richer and things were just going to get better and better and better. And then I think, yeah, the wheels have come off and the consequences of the kind of lifestyle we've grown up with are clear to see. And yeah. the kind of future, if we follow the same lifestyles, are clear to see. And I think I spent, a lot, I followed a lot of it. I thought by being educated on it, you know, that gave you, uh, and it is important to be educated on it, but I found to a point. And after that, you're externalizing your well-being on other people's decisions. And that doesn't work out. No. Because uh, <laughs> people become defensive and they don't want to. Yeah. And it's just, you're, you're, if you're relying on governments to make the right decisions and if you're relying on big businesses yeah. to make the right decisions you're uh you're gonna get disappointed yeah you're gonna be disappointed and you're gonna suffer yourself so no i just came to a point where it really was what can you do and especially with uh Mealy coming along our daughter yeah you just hopefully she looks back and go oh mom and dad tried the best the way they lived to what they did and yeah that, that's all you can do and hopefully there's some ripple effects from what yeah. you try and do and other people try and do and you know um, yeah, that's what I think is the realistic path out of it. I think uh, 
if it doesn't start locally and if it doesn't work locally, um, we're all in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, everyone has to do it together. So, and it can only start with one person. And yeah, like you say, hopefully you can cause a ripple effect and it affects others and it becomes a catalyst for change. Um, and, and that's happening. There's a lot of changes happening and we're at very early stages, but people are starting to acknowledge there's a problem now. And, and that's, that's a major step forward. Um, well, most people are. So in your views, um, have you come across people who, uh, think it's all bullshit all this climate change and uh i've been faced i've said it to people and they say oh it's a cyclical thing it happens it's been happening for thousands of years there's nothing we can do to affect it what do you say to someone like that or i don't really try and change their views but uh from my from my own perspective i just like science is the only thing you know it's all it is is humans testing things uh independently and finding the same results yeah and enough of them to do it and they find the same results that's the best we can go off yeah and then if we choose to try and make the changes that we know is best right now that's again that's all we can do i think doing anything other than that is negligent yeah and i think a lot of it is just privileged positions where we aren't seeing the the worst case scenarios of climate change yeah. climate change is just that slow creeping thing which humans struggle with yeah you know? Um, but as you said, I think there's been a lot of great progress in terms of awareness, even locally here, sustainable Queenstown, yeah. um, just that education, because <clears throat> you can't get people to change your actions if they're not, if they don't care. Um, that's the first step. Yeah. Um, so you have to make them care. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, local action, local groups like sustainable Queenstown are really good in terms of just getting that kind of education. Yeah. Awareness. Getting that, getting that awareness. And I think yeah. there's a big big movement that needed now in terms of just helping people with changes people now care they just need that help in making the changes and making it simpler you know and direction and direction yeah, yeah. oh so yeah just to bring the story back to gary um so at this point um let's say early covid you you were unemployed in search of work not 100 percent sure what you're doing and you got the chance to join the wilding control team um <laughs> Can you describe what this job is like on the day-to-day and how exciting and also how terrifying it can be for a guy uh, going into his 40s with a child on the way? Yeah, it was, uh, I think one word, insane, really is the, the best word for it. Uh, insane. It was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was amazing. Uh, amazing experience. I wouldn't change it for a second. Uh, one of my colleagues that left the same tourism company actually had just done it and that got... Uh, and he was talking about how amazing it was. He was doing it in a different uh, area. Yeah. And I joined a group in Queenstown. Yeah, I, I knew it would be, it's a different field. You'd be working with chainsaws, you'd be working with trees. So I knew it was going to be challenging. It'd be yeah. an adventure. But, but you uh, wanted something different at that time. And I, 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 it ticked all the boxes because it was so different from the desk job I had before. Yeah. I was outdoors. It's going to clear the head, give yeah. me time to think. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, insane, really. Uh, just the terrain. Uh, they work. We were working on. Uh, it's obviously normal forestry blocks are within reach of vehicles and stuff, and we were targeted with getting to the areas that they couldn't reach. Yeah, which involved how? a lot. How did you get there? Hiking <laughs> endlessly, yeah. bush bashing, but a lot of times with helicopters jumping out of helicopters onto yeah. the sides of cliffs, cutting down uh, trees. Um, yeah, it was insane. Insane, but <laughs> <laughs> in a great way, and. Uh, uh, I'm very blessed as well because uh, the group, it was such a unique group because it was that time, it was COVID and mm. people came from all walks of life into yeah. that field because it was a job, it was available. Yeah. Uh, I joined it because, yeah, it was outdoors, but yeah, I knew there was an issue with Weldon Pines and it was great, again, just that feeling of straight away to be able to yeah to give back uh, to the community. So just to explain to the listeners um, that Wilding Pines, the whole uh the purpose of what they're doing is the wilding pines are starting to spread out of control. They're an invasive species. And as a result, they block all the light out of the area. So all the native New Zealand um, flora and fauna and bird life are on their way to extinction. So um, what they're trying to do is, is is clear all these wilding pines and get them to a controllable level so they can conserve the native environment that we have here in, in Queenstown, in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfectly. Yeah, I... I they came with the early settlers here. We used for um, shade and we used for huts. Yeah. Um, but they just 
spread like uh, unbelievably uh, five kilometers from the seeds, or, uh, and, and they have a lot of seeds, and they have a lot of seeds, <laughs> and they can grow anywhere. Like the, yeah. the we found the places we found literally on the sides of cliffs, no soil, and they were growing it out of the sides of the cliffs. It's just between two rocks or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so. Yeah, it, it's a big issue um, and it'll be a long-term fix. But even now, the kind of what Docker doing with the subcontractors really is just getting to grips with it and making it more manageable. Yeah. So as a, yeah, as, as an actual job for a person, I remember you told me at the time, you said it's the perfect job for someone in his 20s who has zero fear and doesn't know the consequences. But for a guy who's trying to plan a family, it's not the ideal long-term plan, let's say. Yeah. Um, so when, you, I, when I applied for life insurance and they rejected me, <laughs> I kind of knew something. I knew something was up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just had to kind of look at the risks every day, and it, I knew it wasn't a long term fix. I was while I was working there, I was kind of thinking about other things. But yeah, yeah, it was a perfect first step just to get outdoors and uh, with a great bunch of people. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I'd love to have maybe done it for a while myself. Um, just the excitement, but I'd also be terrified too. Yeah, so and, and it was around this time um, that you walked into my workshop at uh, Rustic Soul. Um, so initially you volunteered uh, one day a week. Uh, you were helping me out with marketing and I was helping you sort of develop your skills a little bit and it just worked great for, for both of us. And then you transitioned into full-time with me. Um, together we designed some cool product ranges which uh, we used to promote some local community groups and charities. Um one of these being Kiwi Harvest, where you now work. Um, I just want to ask you, how was your, on reflection, how was your time working with Rustic Soul and did you take any learnings with you um, from your time with us? Oh, yeah, it was, again, amazing, amazing opportunity. I'm just so grateful for it. It's kind of, it's only on reflection you kind of realise it was like winning the lotto in terms of that field and the projects you were working on. Yeah. Um, I literally had just when COVID happened had kind of got got an interest back in 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 woodworking and yeah and the creative side of things and what's possible and then kind of on finding out about your business and seeing the ethos you had and the way you're using recycled timbers to create these one off pieces I was just like just this is amazing I just want to wow. experience it and uh, so yeah. just being in the environment um, I just found. Being creative and learning in dark times is so beneficial. And just being in that environment and seeing what you were able to create and what was possible, um, it was just endless. It was, yeah, such a blessing. I It was a completely different uh, industry to enter and I'd worked mm. in. I hadn't done it since I was a kid. So you that, out of your comfort zone. Way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, and that was a challenge. I think my confidence is pretty low because I was bouncing around trying to find what I was good at mm. uh, but I just I loved the business I loved the way your ethos I think we shared a lot in, in common in terms of what you were trying to do give back environmentally using yeah. recycled timbers I suppose you fitted perfectly with us at that time as well yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt it was just great and I uh, yeah I was just kind of blessed to be part of it really it was just when I look back on it it's just uh, amazing and I still are doing designs uh, that I started doing when I was uh, working with you and yeah hope, hopefully um, some produced a lot of them are based on kind of the dark times and kind of yeah so hopefully they might help someone else uh, yeah. down, the, down the road but brilliant uh yeah no it was just an amazing opportunity you, you were an amazing mentor um very patient and uh yeah just super grateful for the experience really uh yeah yeah and and, and I, I was super grateful to have you as well um you made a massive impact on on our direction you know like i had the skills of working with materials i was good at my hands but um uh, marketing and how to direct a business um i was really lost in so we had a trade-off where you helped me and I helped you and, and it worked great. So yeah, it was a good little partnership we had there for a while and, and thank you as well. So yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the charities you kind of brought my attention to at that time was uh, Kiwi Harvest and um, we, we made a donation, but we donated 10% of our sales on that product range uh, to Kiwi Harvest and, and two other groups. It went on for me to work with Kiwi Harvest um Tell us a little bit about Kiwi Harvest, what they do, and what your role is w within the organization. 
Yeah, so I, I don't just because we do try and uh, kind of live sustainably and I'd known of Kiwi Harvest through that, that kind of circles in Queenstown and just the kind of what the model was. It was so simple, but it's brilliant because it works on two fronts. It's a food rescue charity. So they rescue the excess food, surplus food from supermarkets, producers, cafes, and then they distribute it to charities that are helping people that are struggling with food insecurity. Um, I knew the model and I, when the job came up, I was like, oh, brilliant, because it was very close to my heart in terms mm. of uh, how personally we were trying to live. So when Kayleigh advertised a role um, for a driver, uh, yeah, I jumped at the opportunity and it, yeah, luckily got accepted. Uh, Kaylee at the time was pregnant and uh, she's since gone on maternity and I've stepped up as acting branch manager while, of Queenstown Kiwi Harvest while she's away. So you're filling in for Kaylee? Yeah. The story of Kiwi Harvest we can talk about is... Uh, yeah, do, please. It really, it's a story of kind of amazing women um, just getting stuff done, getting shit done, as I like to say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it started with uh, Debs, uh, the founder back in Dunedin in 2012 and she's a lawyer and she was just reading a newspaper in the cafes and just seeing all these articles about food going to waste and at the same time reading about how people were not being able to put food on the table and she yeah. just thought this is madness and just on her own back started with her own car just rescuing food from supermarkets and making connections with the ch charities in Dunedin and then mm. it developed to be Dunedin's biggest food rescue charity and she's gone on to build it to be New Zealand's biggest food rescue charity oh. um, so we have branches now in Auckland uh, North Shore Dunedin Invercargill and uh, Queenstown she's also developed uh, a big sister uh, operation which is called the New Zealand Food Network and they just deal with the industries on scale so they're dealing with the likes of Sanitarium Watties Fonterra when these companies have truckloads of excess, mm -hmm. uh, they have the scale, they're able to collect it, and then they're able to make smaller amounts and distribute it to smaller uh, collection points uh, wow. like ourselves. And Queenstown's history is no different. Uh, back in 2018, Esther uh, Whitehead, who's now a local councillor, same issue, seen just was food waste in Queenstown, the unnecessary waste that was going to landfill. And the need with lots of charities doing lots of uh, great work with uh, Kai parcels and uh, donations. And she did it over her own back, started it and got Kiwi Har brought Kiwi Harvest in. Um, and then it kind of grew with the help of Sustainable Queenstown. They invested in a vehicle and went to five days a week in the mornings. And then Kaylee became involved and took over as COVID hit. Government got involved with all food banks to give them a boost to get the necessary food out knowing that there was going to be a rush on the food banks mm. and this helped you harvest scale up in Queenstown and we now have our warehouse vehicle chillers freezers uh, forklift uh, all set up in Glenda Drive there wow that's amazing it's amazing the progress in such a short space of time like I'm, I'm just thinking in terms of running a business how to scale up that fast is so difficult but to do it as a charity is amazing too I suppose the circumstances helped and the timing um, but yeah, just to go back to the girl in Dunedin with Debs, was it? Yeah. The, it's such a simple idea. Yeah. That's amazing. Like in the same community, there's one person going hungry and another person wasting. And she just links those two together. Yeah. So simple, but amazing. Such a brilliant idea. Yeah. That's, that's all the, all the best ideas are the simplest. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Um, and it has such a great impact, food rescue, in terms of not social, environmental, but in all, everything it touches, you know, for every $1 uh, invested in food rescue, there's $5.16 benefit for the community, a recent uh, study found. And that's reducing the cost for the businesses because they are paying to have this food sent to landfill. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, the good, uh, feel good factor and all the volunteers being involved in the community. And then obviously the recipients and yeah. all the knock-on effects that uh, this food provides. Just to get a full understanding, so what's your role on a day-to-day -day basis within the organisation? Yeah, so Kiwi Harvest is uh, Queenstown branch. It's tiny. It's me. It's uh, my work colleague, Carmel, who does a couple hours a week, uh, two days a week, and our volunteers who do a couple hours a week each. So in between us all, we do about 60 hours. Mm. Um, but in that time frame, over a year, 
last year was a record year. We were able to rescue 120,000 kilos of food. 120,000 kilos. Yeah. So that's the equivalent of 300,000, over 300,000 meals. Mm. Um, and that would have been destined for landfill. So it's a real efficient system. Uh, what we're able to rescue, how mm. that food is utilized within the local community, mm. helping people that need it. Um, so, yeah, we just use the truck and we uh, visit local supermarkets, local cafes, local uh, food producers, collect any excess food. People call it food waste, but it's excess food. <laughs> mm. uh, people think it's pulling food out of bins. Uh, a good way of illustrating that was uh, we had a recent fundraising dinner and it was at Millbrook. And the chefs were going to create a three-course trust a chef meal for local attendees. Yeah, and using all excess food. Using all excess food. But they were worried because they hadn't done this before and they had expectations as to the quality of food they were going to receive. Yeah. And when I and obviously with Food Rescue, we don't know what we're going to have until a couple of days before. So they had to kind of think on their feet. Yeah. yeah. So there was a, I could sense a bit of anxiety, but uh, <laughs> when I turned up with the food and on the, on the evening itself, they said what they were, they, they were shocked at the quality of the food that was being. The chef said. Yeah. Wow. Um, and in New Zealand, there's a real culture issue and in a lot of Western countries in terms of produce and what are expectations of what yeah. fruit and veg should look like and yeah. what's not acceptable fruit and veg. The chefs on the night were, one was from Italy, one was from Albania. Mm. They grew up going to local markets and they would see every style, shape of fruit and vegetable. And yeah. as long as it tasted good, that's what they were after. Yeah. And that is a big issue and a big cultural thing we need to change here in New Zealand because it's resulting in huge amounts of perfectly yeah. good food. Going is that through. Andy? The, yeah, I've met him. He's a great guy. Yeah. And I've met the Italian guy too. I forget his name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're doing they're the, uh, Millbrook doing great things with sustainability out there as well so it was a great fit it was us uh partnering with sustainable queenstown um and yeah millbrook hosted it and i suppose yeah a massive part of what kiwi harvest is doing is is creating awareness and i suppose that's a perfect way yeah to show that it's not food out of a dumpster yeah. it's perfectly good food and where else to showcase that than um, a high-end restaurant like like they have in millbrook perfectly good food it as i said we work within the food safety standards but it's just the nature of the food business is supply and demand and it's uh, expectations, it's customers' expectations mm. and that drives what's going to waste. So yeah, we're trying to play our part in education, awareness, uh, working with the businesses in terms of reports to them, in terms of what their waste levels are um, and yeah, just hopefully making small steps towards uh, Kiwi Harvest, many people may feel is a kind of uh, ambulance at the bottom of the cliff but it's a very necessary ambulance right now. It's mm. solving two major issues in New Zealand in terms of food waste and food yeah. insecurity. And we are always looking to help in terms of the longer term solutions. So we aren't such a yeah. necessary. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be that ambulance, but you have to be. Yeah. Yeah. So those two things, um, one is is people going hungry, basically, to say it in layman's terms. Um, and the other would be, um, waste into our landfills um, a lot of people will think like you know most food will just decompose it's not really an issue but yeah it, it, is, is that the case no that's a, yeah, I mean, that's a huge uh, misconception people have uh, that you know food is the least um, of the problems going to landfill food doesn't decompose in modern day landfills like it would uh, outside in the normal compost heap or what you'd have in your back garden yeah these are airtight facilities, a lot of them, and they don't, they don't, the food doesn't have the oxygen to naturally decompose. Mm. So it actually produces more carbon and produces methane in the landfills than it would if it just naturally decomposed outside. Yeah. And methane is 25 times worse for the environment than carbon. So this is such an unnecessary uh, polluter. Yeah. In terms of, there's no need for all this food to go to waste. There's no need for all this carbon to be released. Yeah. And yet people have this conception that that's, this is the least of the worries when it's, it's, there's Kiwi Harvest is, is like one of many just natural fixes to divert uh, unnecessary food going to landfills. Yeah. It, nationally, like it's crazy, the statistics, 103,000 tonnes of food goes to landfill every year. The majority of that is edible, 60%. So yeah. 
just uh yeah it's crazy on scale and what's more what's more i think upsetting is the fact that so much of this food is produced in new zealand and all the resources it takes to produce that food yeah all the power all the water all the man hours and a third of all the food in produced in new zealand goes straight to waste oh wow that's shocking that's shocking yeah so just that alone, it's, if you thought about it, just on a local's producing scale, it's it's just such a waste of resources hmm. if you don't care about the carbon effects. But even like water, it's 32 Olympic swimming pools of water we've rescued this year from the food that would have gone to landfill. Yeah. So, and it, we, we, the foods that we've diverted, it took the equivalent of the power um, power 26 houses in Queenstown over a year. Explain that, that to me. How- so how much energy it took to produce the food mm-hmm. that we've rescued yeah. would have powered 26 houses. Electricity. That, electricity. Yeah. And that would have gone to landfill without any use of that resources. Yeah, it's just waste. It's just waste <laughs> in every possible meaning of the word. Yeah. Waste. Yeah. Um, and it's just unnecessary. Uh, it's just, and the scale it's at, I think in New Zealand we've we've a lot of room People don't worry about landfills coming yeah. into the backs of their houses. They just, it's, it doesn't seem like an issue, but um, it's just, yeah, it's waste on so many levels. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we got so much space, we, we were able to hide it from plain sight. So yeah. people don't, aren't like confronted with the reality of it. But um, yeah, time's coming where we have to actually confront it and, and change. And that's that what we're doing here today is part of that is talking about it creating awareness and yeah i want to talk a little bit both of us um me and you gary were probably both attracted to queenstown for similar reasons it's as you're in a background of marketing and you'll understand how destination queenstown is so well marketed as this perfect paradise with no problems and everything is amazing and it's just like heaven um and and for a lot of reasons it is a paradise but people i feel are not getting the whole picture there's there's a lot of social issues that are getting swept under the rug that maybe it takes a few years living here to start to see these things um can can you share with us some of these issues like some of the people you might be helping um through kiwi harvest on on a day-to-day basis yeah that was this is a main like i was aware of what the model was for kiwi harvest and the work they were doing in town but i just had no idea of the scales i had no idea of the scale of the food waste mm-hmm. but i really didn't have an idea of the scale of the need yeah and people think oh this is a COVID thing and everything's better yeah uh it's got worse our yeah. numbers in terms of the recipients through our charities go up mm. every year now we're in a cost of living crisis uh next year Queensland. I feel from what chatting to the charities as well, it'll be even worse because inflation, inflation, and mm. but we've got a huge amount of families that are going to come off their fixed term mortgages and have to find hundreds and hundreds of dollars offset their new variable rate. Yeah, and that's every week. Every week. Yeah. And what people don't understand is that uh, people will not want to lose their, their roof over their head. Mm. They won't want to lose uh, the heat in the house. Mm. So what they'll do is they'll sacrifice on food. Mm. And there's a huge amount of Queenstown people that are struggling in terms of putting food on the table. Pe- people think of food insecurity as people starving. Thankfully, in New Zealand, there's not a lot of people starving. Yeah. But they're 40% of kiwis suffer from food insecurity and that has three different kind of layers to it there's people that yes are hungry all the time then there's people that could put some food on the table but it's not nutritious in any way it's what they can afford and then there's Mm. people that get by most of the time but then when a birthday christmas an unexpected parking ticket parking ticket (laughs) comes in they struggle i know people personally that they have respectable jobs they're have kids there the misconception is you think of someone homeless and yeah that kind of profile but it's not it's no. people who are actually working or yeah. sometimes working two or three jobs within the same household exactly and they still can't because it's such an expensive place to live and yeah. yeah and it's so everyone's so tight you know there's no one has these huge reserves so when yeah. things go wrong they struggle yeah and it's a very quick once you fall into a hole to get trapped um and yeah, I was shocked at the scale. A true art, the charities in Queenstown, Wanaka, Cromwell, where we operate, uh, they're supporting over 750 families 
in the area wow. uh, with the food uh, parcels. Here in Queenstown? Queenstown, Wanaka and Cromwell. Wow. So, um, and that's 750 families, so that's thousands of individuals mm. that are struggling week to week. This is every week yeah. that they need food support. Yeah. And yeah, Queenstown just doesn't have that. People uh, think yeah. that it's a playground for millionaires, but there's a huge proportion of the population that are essential to Queenstown. Yeah. Uh, you found that through COVID. These are the people that are working in the supermarkets, working yeah. in the emergency in the hospitals, services. Yeah, yeah. And these are the ones that now are struggling with their mortgages, with uh, cost of living, fuel, the most expensive place to live. Um, mm. um, so Queenstown's got a lot of um, kind of unseen issues and there's amazing, amazing charities uh, doing amazing work every week. A lot of them huge amounts of volunteers um, and these are keeping people um, from yeah. leaving town. I was chatting to one of our recipients, uh, Queenstown Place Centre, Alex. She's an absolute legend. Uh, she runs a facility for parents to come along uh, with children that can't, you know, can't afford childcare or just want to take care of the kids themselves in a, in a, in a different facility. Um, and she was just getting to know these families and when she, they had the trust, a lot of them were just breaking down mums in front of her because they couldn't give the kids the nutrition they needed because they were trying to keep mm. the rent to be paid. Um, and they was getting to the point where it was decisions of leaving Queenstown, pulling their kids out of school. Um, Jesus, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and she, they were breaking down in front of her. So she, mm. off her own back, set up uh, a distribution of food hampers to these families. Because a huge issue I find in Queenstown is people aren't aware that there is support out there, but also that there's a huge shame in yeah. claiming this help. Yeah. No one's responsible for their mortgage rates going up. No one's responsible for their fuel rates going up. Yeah. Everyone's working. Yeah. It's crazy hours. Uh, shame, yeah. It's, just... it's, it's, it's a shame that people would rather, you know, feel that they will have to, their, and their kids will have to go without Mm. until the next wage packet comes in but such a big problem in our society that we're all trying to portray this image of how we are to the outside world yeah social media everything yeah gives that image especially in queenstown it just has that kind of vibe you know and there's there is a need it's it's best people dealing reality yeah there's amazing people dealing reality and helping these people because if you don't have the food on the table results in huge issues for Queenstown in terms of social issues, mm. health issues, yeah, um, and just the framework, the community uh, mm. being split apart um, in, in all the essential workers that we do need across all different industries. Yeah. And housing prices, a lot of this, is, it's out of our control, but there's just local people coming up with local solutions. Yeah. And I think people need to just embrace what's out there if they can help in any way with kiwi harvest with local charities yeah um but also if you're in need just reach out yeah um there's great work being done some of the charities here are uh salvation army we have happiness house we have baskets of blessings mm-hmm. we have the youth trust for the young people in the community that might be struggling with food they they're able to help out on that front um so yeah there's so many great as i said alex the play center there's so many great um options there um so it's just not worth it we're able to rescue this perfectly good food mm. to give to these charities and uh, it's best that people get the nutrition they need and yeah. they're able to kind of get their head above water yeah and that's the only way people are going to be able to kind of take steps forward yeah every single person needs help from time to time yeah, yeah. So there's no shame in it we all do need it and that's yeah not bit refusing that help or not being too afraid or too proud to ask for it will sometimes lead to bigger problems down the line so yeah we're a community we're here to help each other and and don't be afraid to ask out yeah and it's just a lot of it goes under the radar you know just for example baskets of blessings it's an army of volunteers good just good local people yeah seeing this issue and just donating their time Turning up, I was there just before Christmas when they were doing the Christmas hampers. They had did 80 hampers of weeks worth of food going out to the community. And so the amount of people to needed to create the meals, dozens and dozens and dozens of great locals donating their time. And then, you know, up to 15 drivers at a time delivering yeah. these hampers. And these are all volunteers? All volunteers. 
Um, So, yeah, there is a huge, a great community spirit. um, And I just think people should be kind of aware of it, support it where they can, get involved if they can. And if there is a need, um, like even with Baskets of Blessings, there's, it's a nomination-based system. You know, you just go on their website and if you know of someone that's struggling and people struggle for lots of different reasons, mm-hmm. they may be that their mortgage has gone up, but they've also maybe have injured themselves. They're out of work. They may have lost a family member. They may be in a bad place mentally. Mm. Getting through that and just not having to worry about putting food on the table or yeah. um, it's, it's a huge help. So. Or um, say a new mum has just had a child and she's recovering from the yeah. surgery. We, we we had it. We personally we received a basket of blessings. Yeah. After we had Mealy and we didn't know anything about it. Two days after Mealy was born, we hadn't slept. We didn't know what was going on. The thought of cooking. We didn't know what was happening. And this uh, stranger to us op- opened the door and just gave us a week's worth of food, no questions asked. It's such a beautiful thing. It's yeah. amazing. It's uh, it's it's and there's. All across uh, Queenstown, you know, Salvation Army do a kind of local supermarket where you can go and pick your own food. Um, uh, it's a great freedom to uh, see what's there and what works best for your family. So there's so many different options out there. Yeah. Uh, Happiness House have the same uh, kind of produce supermarket setup, uh, but they also have so many other services. You know, it, people are, are maybe struggling, but it may be because of mental issues, maybe because of struggling budgeting. There's budgets and facilities. There's free counselling at Happiness House. Mm. Um, and yeah, people just need to be kind of open to it and spread the word and just yeah. support, support where you can because, uh, yeah, it's a great community and people are doing great work out there. And it was just super eye-opening for me when I joined. I just mm. didn't understand the scale and the need. Um, and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. So. There's one thing I just thought of that's um unique to a lot of people in queenstown is there's a lot of migrants here um and when you talk about community like we don't have our support system around us we don't have a close family uh the community we we grew up with so we sort of adapt a new community here and create our own community so that also maybe is one of the reasons why people are afraid to ask out because yeah they maybe don't feel part of the community but there is a community here yeah yeah this is it and yeah from from Queenstown's kind of origins, it was strangers come together, you know, back yeah. in the mind days. And nowadays, it's no different. It's from people from all over the world. But yeah, we are in a kind of unnatural environment in terms of we don't have that family support around us. Yeah, I definitely feel it with a one year old uh, baby. Yeah, uh, being <laughs> no so babysitters. Far, being, yeah, being so far from home. So yeah, yeah, even new mothers they kind of create. There's lots of community groups for new mothers to join, so they have some support base, which makes a huge difference. Um, so. Yeah, it's just kind of looking out there yeah. and getting involved. And um, Yeah, I suppose that's a massive positive. There is lots of groups out there. There's lots of help. There's lots of support. And just, yeah, I guess the message is to, to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, it, it was eye-opening for me. And I think, yeah, in need or is able to support, just uh, help out where you can. I'm just touching this question. And if it doesn't work, Gary, we'll, we'll edit it out. Um, can you talk to me about the importance of volunteers? You mentioned before um, you've got a lot of volunteers helping out. Um, uh, how reliant are groups, um, organizations like Kiwi Harvest on volunteers and is it a sustainable solution? Um, I've obviously joined Kiwi Harvest six months ago. We have a small volunteer base uh, for our Queenstown branch, but they are essential in terms of us trying to achieve day-to-day logistics and work day-to-day logistics Uh, it's just not possible the beauty with kiwi harvest is they have full-time staff from the top down from our head office in in auckland um through branch managers so you have that kind of reliance of that that full-time staff that are able to build the systems needed Mm. and the volunteers then are the are able to kind of maximize the uh, effects we're able to have so yeah, it's huge. It's essential for uh, a charity like ourselves if we're able to achieve the success we need. Charities are no different to businesses and anyone else in terms of the effects of the costs. Our rent has gone up this year extortionately. Um, so we're in a real hole just to kind of cover our existing operation costs. But yet at the same time, we know there's a growing need for our service mm-hmm. and we want to match that need. We need the vehicles uh, to expand. We want to have a vehicle in Wanaka to 
locally provide and pick up from the supermarkets yeah. there. We need some more uh, e-bikes and trailers to expand our cafe runs to for Frankton and Wanaka as well. So there's lots more we want to do. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we're trying to exist and fundraise just to cover the ex- existing costs. So volunteers just are enable us to expand to uh, meet the needs of the community. So they're huge for us. Yeah. Um, In terms of sustainability, it changes. Uh, COVID, there was a lot of volunteers available. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, now everyone's struggling. You know, people are doing extra work jobs just to cover yeah. their rent. So they, they they want to volunteer, but they may not have the hours. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it affects us in terms of maybe day-to-day operations, what we're able to do. But yeah, we're always on the lookout uh, to help and expand volunteers. Yeah. And yeah, kudos to those people who volunteer their time. Yeah, they're the best, they're the best, you know, that genuinely just, just to, to have people involved in your charity that are there because they believe in what you're doing. That's mm. the only reason they're there. They're not there for monetary gain or anything else yeah they just see the need and they believe in the solutions we're able to provide um and it's just a great environment that they create and the the work they do and just the knock-on effects in terms of the workers in the supermarkets might be having a bad day but then when our volunteers turn up and you know they're positive about what they're doing they're able to just create a great atmosphere oh brilliant Yeah. yeah yeah it makes the whole thing run a lot smoother yeah, yeah, and any time you have people that believe in what you're doing, it just makes everything run smoother, and everyone's yeah. kind of empowered and involved, and just want to make things better. I imagine, yeah, like when you're doing something, you're getting a lot of satisfaction because you know you're helping. It may, it is a feel good factor to it, and I guess that helps with the positivity and yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And it's it's an it's a learning for them as well. Like like me, you mm. go into it, you see uh, yeah. both sides of it in terms of the waste, in terms of the need. But you're also able to see what your concrete uh, yeah. things you're able to help with every day uh, when that food's delivers at charities when you know it would have been going to landfill. Like it's uh, yeah, it's pre- it's definitely a yeah. rewarding um, job. And you guys are learning, and 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 me having this chat with you, I'm actually learning a lot today, and hopefully that will transfer to our listeners as well. Um, yeah, hundred percent. It, it, there's there's so much going on; it's hard to keep on top of everything. But mm. um, there's as I said, there's so many great things going on in Queenstown. Um, another shout out maybe is to talk about uh, the need for as I was saying the cost rising uh, charities all over Queenstown are struggling in terms of having a presence because mm. they like anyone else have to pay rent yeah um, and there's uh, talk of a community hub uh, being developed in Frankton um, and that's at council at the minute and there's uh, a feedback form online for anyone who wants to uh, put their positive thoughts in, into that feedback uh, because, yeah, a lot of charities are going to get squeezed out of uh, the area because it's just not feasible for them to have a presence. Mm. And having a presence where the people in need are able to walk in and speak to someone in their area yeah. and don't don't have to drive out of town or speak to someone over the phone, um, it's vital. Yeah. And there's so many different charities doing so many different uh, great work in different areas, mental health, in food rescue, uh, with the environment and so much more so yeah that's an area that queenstown queenstown has a huge housing I- issue uh but yeah charities ha- are impacted as well um, yeah and hopefully yeah with this community hub and other initiatives like that um we'll kind of make long-term provisions because it's essential for queenstown you know you mm-hmm. you'll rip the heart out of the community mm-hmm. if uh there isn't people doing the great work they're doing yeah, and it'll that's have, so important. Yeah. It'll have long-term negative effects for the community as a whole. So it's just, yeah, vital. It doesn't get left behind in the rush. Uh, just, I just want to go back to something you were saying before. Um, I wondered, um, as you were speaking, so you guys are collecting all this, saving it from waste, all this food. Has there ever been a surplus in what you've collected? Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, there's no kind of, shopping lists with food rescue and yeah. in terms of what amount you just grab what you can you grab what you can uh, yeah and some days there's very little and other days i rescued ten thousand eggs from a local producer there a few weeks ago wow so i managed to relocate all the eggs in time yeah um, and they were that's a big pavlova 
That's a big pavlova. <laughs> uh, but literally, it was industrial size quiches that Baskets of Blessings and other charities were creating with these eggs. And protein is such a costly thing right yeah. now. So it was so well received. Literally, people jumping up and down yeah, well. when you're giving it to them. So, so that was kind of a stroke of luck, really. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the, but that's food rescue. There's, uh, there's times where there's very little and there's times where there's a lot. And it's, it's a very conflicting industry because you want to see very little because that means... There's very little waste. Yeah, I get but then you. also, you know, there's a great need out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're always kind of mixed emotions. But yeah, there is, things like bread are, there's just so much waste mm. in areas like bread uh, that uh, we are thinking of in new ideas in terms of waste like where, with that. That'll kind of help us be more self-funding uh, and working with local producers. So hopefully yeah. we'll have some kind of exciting... I wonder if, like, obviously you can't avoid you'll have waste for those reasons you just explained. If instead of it going to a landfill, it went to some kind of composting sort of... Yeah, 100%. All our all our systems are based on that. So there's kind of oh, step-by-step yeah. approach with the supermarkets as well, which are great in, the, in terms of getting involved with that, where what we can't take that may not be human consumption, big farmers, compost farmers uh, come and take the rest. So Brilliant. it's greatly reducing what's actually going to landfill. Well done. Hypothetically speaking, factually speaking, you guys have saved 300,000 plates of food in this last year locally. If those systems were not in place for whatever reason, if Kiwi Harvest wasn't there, what are the potential impacts of 300,000 meals not received? It just ha- Food insecurity just has huge knock-on effects for the wider community. Uh, when people are, as I said, kind of drowning they're not able to play a good role in the community they're not able to be that positive they, they kind of end up being in survival mode yeah 100 percent. you're just take you know yeah. you're thinking about am i going to have enough food on the table this week are my kids going to get the nutrition yeah. they need you're not thinking about how i can contribute to the yeah. community you're not thinking of you know you're making sometimes bad decisions you're making tough decisions maslow's hierarchy of needs you know mm. if you don't have your basic needs met Everything else goes out the window. That's your main concern. You yeah. Know? Uh, that's just human nature. Um, so, yeah, food is that essential need. Everything else goes out the window. And that has real long-term consequences on the community as a whole. Um, if people aren't... And there'll just be a kind of... It'll become a worse community where people will have to leave if they're not able to meet those basic needs. Mm. Uh, so, obviously, there's long-term solutions needed in terms of why cost of living is the way it is in Queenstown um, and that needs to be addressed but yeah it, it, it definitely would have severe negative consequences if there wasn't just what we were able to do yeah. and the support that uh, the charities provide um, directly to, the, to these people that are struggling yeah yeah awesome thanks for that yeah so how long have you been with Kiwi Harvest um, I know you mentioned you're filling in for Kaylee, and can you share some of the obstacles you've faced and some of the victories you've had in that time. Yeah, so I joined uh, Kiwi Harvest about six months ago. Um, so yeah, just in the middle of winter there. Um, and obviously, yeah, I was just getting to learn a new industry, learning all the partners involved. And then, yeah, in terms of taking over Kayla's role, there's a lot more involved in that in terms of uh, managing our stakeholders and reports to uh, it's a steep, national- steep learning curve. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, but it was an enjoyable one. Uh, I loved it uh, in terms of the feel-good factor every day, in terms of just seeing the great people out there and what they're doing um, and just knowing the kind of contribution you are making. So, no, it's been a, a great a great learning curve um, and just try and build on the amazing work, kind of Kaylee, Esther, Lou, all these uh, ladies have done previously and hopefully, yeah, when Kaylee comes back, uh, we'll be able to kind of build on it and, mm. and see where we go. And I know it goes against your modest nature, but what, what victories have you had? Um, yeah, I think anytime you kind of join something fresh, you kind of have a fresh set of eyes. So mm. you're able to kind of maybe see small opportunities or it's just a great as well. Being that new person, you're able to kind of make that reconnection with these partners. And that can sometimes just be timing in terms of opening new doors. And yeah. Stuff. So, yeah, just that fresh enthusiasm that comes with anyone joining. Yeah, hopefully it's helped in some ways and what victory have you had <laughs> <laughs> um 
little ones I've enjoyed it just being uh, we did um, joined the sustainable wow sustainability uh, festival and uh, what's that? It's a festival they have every year uh, from a charity in Monaco called Wow that is trying to drive sustainability in the region. They're mm-hmm. amazing work in terms of awareness, yeah, and just new ideas and showcasing the amazing sustainable practices that are going on in local businesses. Like uh, they had a tour this year. So over 60 people joined this tour on buses and they went around to all uh, local businesses in the area uh, that were doing um, great stuff in terms of uh, sustainability. So they they visited our depot and we talked about what we did. Uh, They were at Nadia Lim's farm on the way to one against us. Yeah. Yeah. Just making some noise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just showcasing what others are doing and learning from it. And everyone's doing their own little bit. So it's just great to share that knowledge. so yeah, we were part of that week and as part of that, we uh, used some recycled food. An amazing chef called Alvaro from the Crown Plaza, shout out to him, used this uh, food to create some beautiful platters um, at a kind of market stall event in Wanaka to raise awareness. And from there, we were able to recruit some local volunteers that we hadn't had in Wanaka. We, we're, we didn't have any presence in Wanaka. And these guys off their own back, because I'm only over there once a week, uh, are using their own vehicles now uh, once a week on a Friday between them, organizing themselves and are trained up now on going, picking up uh, hundreds of kilos of food again that would be going to waste. Mm. Um, so yeah, little little victories like that. Um, yeah. It's just small steps. Um, mm. And then hopefully yeah, next year we'll be able to get them a vehicle and that'll increase the workload and get more um, donors over there yeah. involved. But yeah, also that, that fundraising dinner was great in terms of awareness and uh, very generously uh, a lot of locals backed us and we raised $80,000 between us and Sustainable Queenstown so that was a huge help in terms yeah, of both of us. Yeah, vital funds. Yeah. yeah. It's been great. Well done. And what would you say, uh, just to summarise, I know you've kind of touched on it before, but what would you say, and I'd like you to say it in one sentence, is your driving force for, for what you're doing? Yeah, I summarized it down at the start. I've got, I spent a long time trying to find out what that was and my driving force is to be kind, be, be creative and be a positive impact. Yeah. Um, and if I maintain that, uh, I know I'll try and stay on the right track wherever that takes me. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah, just some thoughts I had. Uh, as individuals, we all have limited time and energy resources and we each have a choice in how we spend it. Uh, in your case, Gary, you're providing for your family, number one, but also a massive support for those battling day to day in the community. So I think you should be commended for that and, and well done. Cheers. Yeah, no, there's no easy solutions. Um, oh, we're we're trying to balance work, uh, family life. Uh, yeah. I do daddy daycare once a week. Uh, my partner works part time from home. So everyone, everything is a struggle. As I said, it's not a normal environment without the support network mm. in Queenstown. But um, yeah, you just try and everyone's trying to just do the best they can so that's all you can do yeah that's the best message i think isn't it yeah and every little helps yeah, yeah. and i think just spend that time trying to find out how what's important to you and how you how you can do that and, and just balance it as best you can um if we were to sit down and have this chat in five years time what do you think you'd be doing i've stopped uh <laughs> planning okay uh, one day at a time one day at a time i think okay. that's uh, that was part of the problem is People have these expectations and set these goals. Yeah, I read a good, a good quote that time is just an ocean and you're just swimming in it. It's a good way to look at it. Right. In, yeah. in terms of you just look at that next stroke um, and doing anything more is pointless. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. all you can do is affect what's happening right now. Yeah. And for me, a lot of the time, all the negative stuff in your life all, that goes on in my head, especially fear anxiety uh anger all this stuff it's related to the past or it's related to the future yeah it's the best place to be is in the present right here now yeah Um, and yeah that's that's a struggle in this day and age but that's what i'm trying to concentrate on because that's where all the good stuff happens yeah like this conversation yeah it's the happiness that it's 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 normally right here and now so just try and concentrate on that it's good advice i like that yeah um that rules out my next question uh, <laughs> no fuck it I'll ask it anyway um, this is not personal to you but Kiwi Harvest have done amazing work in the last 10 years they're just over 10 years on the road now and they, like you've explained earlier how much they've scaled up and everything can you give us a prediction on where you'd like to see them or even if it's fantasy where they might be in 10 years time 
Well, the kind of crazy thing in our model is we'd like to be less yeah. <laughs> in 10 years. Yeah. Uh, but the need will grow more before it ever goes less. Mm. Um, so it's just trying to meet that need. Uh, there's an amazing network of people starting with devs from the top, Angela, uh, the general manager, executive officer, and all the branch managers all the way down to the volunteers. Just it's 10 years of hard graft. Huge, hard yeah. graft and just challenges every day, you know, mm. um, and setbacks and fundraising and just, yeah, it's just an amazing group of people. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how, how it is grown to be how it is it's just true people's hard graft and yeah. just people people seeing a problem and just making solutions yeah and, simple uh, as that and that's what i think that we'll continue to do and there's different issues in different areas and yeah we just try and do the same in queenstown come up with local solutions to local problems yeah and that's what we're trying to do and just face them as you see them yeah yeah, yeah. learn as we go awesome Wash those dates away.